0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound that is the Unfiltered Band, which means another episode of Unfiltered is upon us. Episode number 24. Two days. Ghostius. Until we get to the trade deadline. Prospects are cool, parades are cooler. Is your team going to be the coolest or are they're going to be foolish? We'll find out here within the next 48 hours as we thank, of course, the Unfiltered Band. Sit down, please. You can uh, follow me. Never sit down. Uh, stay up to date with uh, all things on my YouTube channel as well as getting me on Twitter at Casey Stern. Follow all the different things going on. And, of course, uh, stay in touch with all the great things uh, with us uh, here at the Believe Network as well. I want to start with this as I kind of catch up to date on some of the latest and we talk about what to expect here in the next couple of days, as well as looking back a little bit at what's happened so far. Remember this, and this is important for all of you, all right? If you want to complain about what your team hasn't done, it's okay. But you want to wait until after the deadline is over. Now, I know it becomes easier when a player that you wanted, right?, goes somewhere else. Example, Yankee fans, and we'll get into the Luis Castillo deal here in a second, are upset we didn't get Luis Castillo. That could happen, right? You don't know exactly what you had offered, and we could hear, don't tell me please, well, well it already was on Twitter that so-and-so were, these were the names. I have had so many situations over the last 20 years where I could tell you about players who entire fan bases hate. Because they turned down all these dollars that apparently they were offered. And they never even were offered a contract. And I talked to those teams' execs, and they never wanted to keep the players. Yet somehow, of course, and the somehow being it gets leaked out by one side or the other to help their own position. It gets leaked out by a team. That, uh, you know, hey, we tried and yada, yada. And, you know, maybe the player doesn't, you know, fire back, want to get involved. And because of that, they still get booed in these stadiums. And there are at least three or four that come to mind immediately, including one player that was supposedly offered over $100 million, and the team didn't want him back or offer him a dime. And they still booed him for years, doesn't play anymore. So let's not hear like, hey, we know for a fact this is what was offered, and our team didn't do enough to get Castillo, for example, right? Just using it as an example, but the Mariners did. That can make you mad, but you don't know what's going to happen between now and the deadline, and a lot of that comes down to, keep in mind, people, we don't even know who's going to be available between now and the deadline, and that may sound stupid. Like, what the hell are you talking about, Casey? We're two days away. Of course we know who. It, you know, what is one game? And it does seem silly, right? Like, okay, you tell me, like, if I win 10 to nothing, like, this is what f- we as fans do, right? You're not supposed to do this as a team. You're going to tell me you're going to overreact if we win 10 nothing today and you're not going to sell, but you're a seller if we lose 10 nothing. That sounds ridiculous. It may not be exactly as matter-of-fact and black and white as that. Everything's all shades of gray, just not the 50 kind. When you sit there and you look at this, though, we're talking about everything being tenuous based on – where a team is in the standings, what's happening with the teams around them in the standings in terms of how many teams do I have to jump? How far am I behind? And we're also talking about fielding offers. You know, you may be taking calls. San Francisco Giants. Let's start there. Great example, right? Do they buy or do they sell? It's a difficult question to answer. Right, And I think a lot of it comes down to can Farhan Zaidi convince the ownership that they need to go the other way. I'm not comparing the two situations entirely, but let's go back when he first went there, and you've got Boch in his final year, and all the veterans are there, and he wants to take – you Mad Bum was still there. He wants to take one more shot. They were three or four games out of a playoff spot. Nobody thought they were really viable as any kind of a contender. But that's a building that, to me, still for for big games is, I think – when you took, take aesthetics and atmosphere, I think it's the best park in the league right now in San Fran. So they know that. It's an ownership that wants to win. They know the concert-like mentality that comes to the park every day down the stretch in September into October when they have a chance to win, and they didn't want to give that up and a lot of people got very upset. Well, why why would they why would they hold on to that? Who cares about, you know, taking another chance? You think about the the Kansas City Royals. Remember, everybody yelled at them a few years ago when, you know, they didn't at the time want, you know, Hosmer, Moustakis, and those players to go and they tried to hold on to what they could and take one more shot with what they had and it didn't work out and then people said, "Well, here are the things you should have gotten for those players." Right? When you look at the Giants, I don't know that one game is going to determine anything. But what happens that we don't think about, right, is they might be getting offers right now for Carlos Rodon or Jock Peterson or Brandon, Bell. I'm just bringing up names, right, that are are, some of their relievers that are at like this level. And all of a sudden, now names go off the board. So Castillo goes off the board. What if Frankie Montas gets traded today? And I'm just throwing this out there, right? Let's say to the Yankees, right, or the Cardinals. He's off the board. And... Now everyone's calling because Carlos Rodon, the best show in town, and I don't care rent or not, or you don't know if you're going to sell or not. Now I'm doubling my offer. This is sales, right? It's not baseball. It's business. This is about supply and demand. It's about striking when the iron's hot. It's about leverage. It's about having the hand, if you will, if you want to talk Seinfeld. That's what this is, right? So – the deals are going to be a lot sweeter and more enticing as you get closer to the deadline if you're a team like the San Francisco Giants for some of your players. Will that change anything? I don't know, right? But you can't sit there and say, as a fan of a team, well, we suck. We didn't do what we need to do. Now, I, of all people, as you know, and the prospects are cool, parades are cooler, guy, because I do believe you push the pedal down. It's why I love what Seattle did. You haven't been a postseason in 21 years, all right? You're hosting an all-star game next year. you got a chance really to maximize something. you got Julio Rodriguez, who, you know, right now, in terms of buzzwords in the sport, I would tell you, and it's hard to really kind of, you know, monetize or to figure out how to quantify this, but I would say you're looking at Juan Soto and Otani in large part because we're at the deadline, but also the kind of players they are, right? Aaron Judge because of the 42 homers and counting, and – then I'm giving you Julio Rodriguez. He right there for me. That's probably be the fourth guy. You tell me he's not right. You want to say DeGrom because we're waiting for him to come back. Like in the in the like, where are you right now? Yeah, maybe in this moment. But like Julio Rodriguez for what he is, right there. Right. I got I, I got a chance now to sit there and and take a shot with a year plus of a guy I just brought who. Now makes my rotation, and I saw a couple people put out there, they're the best rotation in baseball. I, I think that's, you know, jumping the gun way too soon. I also don't think it's accurate, especially if DeGrom's healthy. The idea of that to me is insane. Like, there's no way you could say that. If, if DeGrom is healthy, and it doesn't mean, by the way, this is not anybody who knows me over the tw- 20 years. I may be wearing a MET hat and I don't lie about my allegiances, but I'm harder on that team than anything. I don't really, I'm not going easy on them. I'm not a homer in terms of the fact that, yeah, sure, I want them to win. I'm not going to lie to you, right? But I, I don't like think everything is, is beautiful in, in Metland, all right? And for the most of the time, it hasn't been bumpy roads, beautiful places. It's been just bumpy roads to bumpier roads to more construction to I'm um, stuck in traffic, right? It's like living a life with Angel Hernandez in a relationship with the Mets, all right? So I, I'm not easy on them, but I'm just being fair. I mean, you tell me, you can at me on Twitter or respond here and comment in the video (laughs) or in the podcast. If you're telling me that you really believe that if DeGrom's healthy, there's any other rotation than better, then you're an idiot. I'm sorry. Like, there's no way. There's no guarantees. Doesn't mean they're going to win the whole thing. But on paper, if I got Scherzer and DeGrom and you don't, you could sit down. And by the way, after the you don't, I got Taiwan Walker, who should have been an all-star, Carrasco, who's pitching well again, and Bassett, who's been good for most of the year when he's been healthy. And then McGill, who I don't even need to use anymore. And David Peterson, who you would see and try to use in a bullpen. And both of those guys have been valuable. And Peterson, not even on the team right now. That's the kind of depth. Nobody's got that depth or that front end and that one too. But what Seattle has added is they've added excitement and excitement in the room. And I want to start and talk about that because this is something that is a real thing. There are offerings in Scenarios that we overblow and we make a big deal out of. As fans, we're covering the sport that don't exist. They're not a big deal. But if you've been listening to the podcast and me over the years, I always try and tell you, like, and, and it's not because, please understand, this is from talking to people in the game. Like, when I learn things and I pick up stuff, and I have no problem saying, it, it's not like I'm some genius. I'm telling you that in talking to the people, myself, right, it is a very real thing, and it makes common sense, but it's a very real thing. For players in a room, the energy it brings—not just when you know how much you now up upgraded your rotation—they're not stupid. They know now they have a better chance to win with Castillo added and and to Gilbert in that group, right? It's not just about that. It, it's this team. This is what happens, psyche-wise. This team, this group, this ownership, this GM, and Jerry, Jerry Depoto in this case, right? They believe that we're a playoff team. They care about us. They they buy into us. They are believers in our chances. They are not just eye-washing us about, hey, we're trying to win, which is what the Twins have done as a franchise for, like, every trade deadline since the beginning of time, all right? That's why they don't get a Luis Castillo, and they don't. And I, said, I mentioned this the other day. They won the division a couple of years ago. It's a great story. I love Sergio Romo. That's my dude. You can't have him as the big move at the deadline, at least not if we're talking a couple of years ago and not eight years ago, right? You just it's not enough. But they don't do that. We'll just used to the Yankees again and we'll get our, our playoff tickets a couple of times and we'll just leave. That's what losers do in this sport. So it's, for Seattle, and they haven't done everything perfect, remember, regardless of how Kellenic has played, the whole situation of, of the egg on the face, you're in a Knights of Columbus meeting and your ownership is looking like, I mean, like completely, like, forget about it, like horrible people, let alone just horrible business people, right? They've had egg on the face, they haven't made it in 21 years, it seems like they want 86 games, like, I don't know for how many years in a row and didn't get in. And a lot of that, that is, right, go back to each of those seasons. We didn't push enough. We're kind of there. We're on, you know, we are, Use and I'm a huge Springsteen guy, as most of you know. you know. They're always stuck in the darkness on the edge of town. They never actually get in it, right? They're out there at the border. They're in now. And it's no guarantee they're going to make the playoffs. no guarantee. But they got a real shot now. And it's a real shot in the arm in the room. If you think about this, imagine what happens on the other side, and let's take tangible things that we can look at, right? Dallas Keuchel with the Astros, and then, now look, I, I don't know, <laughs> and you know, Jeff Luno, it's a, a whole other conversation, but I can, I can tell you, I've told this story in the air before. This is a very, very true story. I was ripping, and I mean, just to shreds, when I was on MLB Network Radio, like every, every day, anybody who listened to it knows it, and you can go back probably can see it on Twitter still and search it. I was destroying the Astros when the original deadline, this is before now we only have one, we had the waiver deadline then, right? I was destroying them for not doing anything. And I mean, what Dallas Keuchel was, was upset about, and I'm sure a lot of players in the room, I was destroying them, right? Now, I'm not going to say that they hadn't initially planned on working with Verlander towards the waiver deadline, or they wouldn't have done it anyway. But, and I'm not saying this is because of me, but when Dallas Keuchel and those players, Right, start to make comments about like how are we not doing something to get better? Yeah, absolutely, push the pedal on Jeff Luno. But the story I'll tell, and this is absolutely accurate, is I did, I would say maybe eleven or twelve champagne celebrations for the Warriors, and blessed. I mean, it's not a humble brag, blessed to do so and to be in there doing live shows uh, for those celebrations on radio for anybody who listened. They're some of the most fun times in my career. Right, And, and in fact, I mentioned Sergio Romo before, one of my favorite moments was when they won the World Series in San Francisco, and he was in the middle of the champagne celebration crying, talking about what, what it meant uh, to him in, in terms of, you know, conversations with, like, his parents and his family and his kids, and, like, that's the kind of stuff stuff that's just amazing. Like, I remember, I talked about it on the air at the time, walking past the hallway in the Giants room when they won, I think this was the Mad Bum Year in Kansas City, and Ryan Vogel's such a good dude, but what a great st- Story played overseas, was with his family in Boach's office having, like, a quiet moment. And I think it was not Kansas City because it was the visitor's office. And just, like, watching them, like, and I didn't stay long, but just even seeing them embrace and the tear. And, like, those are the moments, like, okay, you feel it. You, you get it, right, what it all means. But Jeff Ludo, I mean, when I tell you, like, douse me in champagne, like, in my eyes, Pouring it on my head, and if you go back, it's probably available somewhere uh, on SiriusXM in some old format you can find. But if you find that post-game show, and I, he literally is pouring it in my eyes as he's saying to me, "Yeah, I got sick of hearing about Verlander like over and over again. Like these guys, they listen, they know, and it's not just to me. To anybody, right? They understand. They feel that pressure, right? But a lot of them don't make the moves. And you think about Jose Bautista; he got really upset." Uh, one year when Toronto was in it, there were two games, you got to check, it might have been, an Oriole fan will remember, it might have been two, two and a half games back, and this had to be, because I think that was my first year with, with Turner in the playoffs when the Orioles made it. it had to be like 2014, maybe it was the 2015 season, it was one of those two years, and the Orioles won that division by 15 games, it was the year where Buck and company had the most we've ever seen, like extra inning and, and late inning, you know, one run wins for a team like ever. I think they won like 17 of them. It was some ridiculous number, right? And a lot of that because of their managing with Buck. But I, I remember Jose Bautista flipping out. Like, how, and, and, I don't know how that permeates in a room necessarily. Some guys don't care. Some will. But you know, like what? You don't think we're good enough? Like you're not going to put the money into us? You're not going to invest? And it's an ownership thing more than certainly Alex Anthopoulos, who's certainly not afraid, right? It's like I said when Alex moved here with Atlanta and he was doing one-year deals for uh, Josh Donaldson. I was saying to people, that's Liberty Media. That's the ownership. Alex Anthopoulos, you can't give, you know, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. a a 1988 Toyota Camry and say, here, go, or a Dodge Neon and go do what you do in your race. You just can't do that, right? Like, here's a Schwinn bike. Good luck, right? You can't do that. But that's what happened. Well, when Alex wasn't hampered, was the year after that, because the Jays flopped, they did nothing, and you go back and look at it, and now they're making 10-player deals at a deadline, they're getting in a wild card, and like the Mariners, 20 years for them, right? 21 for Seattle, they're making moves. And I think Seattle's going to get to the postseason. There's no guarantee, but good for them for making that move. Now it puts more pressure on the Yankees, who absolutely have got to figure this out. And I thought for a long time that they would have been that 1-1 team for Castillo, and I know they were certainly in on it, Let's be honest. Seattle gave a hole in terms of prospects, And they do matter. You know, the idea of the shirt and the saying isn't like, hey, forget every prospect you ever had. It's you got to take risks and chances. They, they may not work. They may not work. I mentioned the Giants before. Everything they did seemed to turn to gold. Not everything. They rented Carlos Beltran for Zach Wheeler. That did not work out well. Right? But it did work out well when Beltran was rented by the Astros from Kansas City and hit eight home runs in a postseason. Right? So sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But you, you, uh, to me, what ifs are the worst thing in life? They're the worst thing in sports. You've got to go for it and take a shot. And if it doesn't work, then you say, hey, look, at least I tried. Like, I don't know about you, but as a fan even, I'm like, okay, you go for it. It doesn't do anything. I'm okay with that. So I always say to my, my dude, Steve Phillips, who I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of being friends with and worked with for years, that, you know, Anybody who ever got on Steve for getting Robbie Alomar, like, you're an idiot. Like, and it didn't pan out with the Mets. I mean, it was a nightmare. It was a complete nightmare, right? You had writers saying he didn't want to play. It was like, I I always joke about the Mets in, I think it was 88, used to have on Shea Stadium, Met catch the fever, right? And really, the Met fever is what you catch when you get there. It's what you alleviate and have a cure, vaccination or not, right? When you leave, Kevin Mitchell out, I'm great. Kevin McReynolds in, I'm not. Carlos Bayerga in, I'm not. Bernitz, let's go twice. We could talk about nine million other things, right? Vince Coleman's throwing firecrackers, and you can add to the list. Clearly, I think in a lot of these cases, teams that at least they try because the name and the perception is great, and then the reality doesn't work. That may happen here. Castillo may not pitch well. doesn't mean the move was the wrong move. It's what it was at the time. You can't tell me it was the bad idea. It was a great idea, and good for them for doing it. You know, but you can't wait till you know now and then get mad you have to wait until after the deadline we got to see what happens here the next 48 hours this is where leverage shifts if i've got a rental right i'm sitting there and saying no no that's not enough for me click not enough for me click this guy offered me that so you better give more okay i got them on hold and you're doing things again this sales right business not baseball okay but just like sales And business, let's go back to a deadline. This is not when a parent says to a kid, you do that one more time and you're out of the pool. And I know from experience saying that, okay? (laughs) Right. You have to do it and it sucks. And like, you got to take them out, like, you know, whether it's the rest of the day or an hour because the next time they're going to make sure to behave when other people are right, whatever the case is, right? Like, as parents, we go through that. Even kids, like, you know, my, my youngest daughter is five and I think she's smarter than I am. So it's like, you know, they, they know, all right? Kids can be evil that way. Like, they remember, uh-uh. I know there's no, de- there's no deadline, right? Because you said the last time and you let, right? This is a deadline. There's no waiver deadline. There's no other deadline. There's no other way to get players. This is the deadline. If I got a rental and I'm a team that I'm losing this player, right, and this, this asset, because that's what they are in these trades, right, we're talking about stocks, right, and where they are as investments, and we're talking about assets, and product—that's what this is right now. That's why. How many GMs after trades? When you see them in a in a presser, they say the player. We think we got a good player. The third baseman, right? And a lot of that is is not rude. It's just that's that. This becomes that, right? This is not like do you draft the plus plus stuff or the character because everyone's got plus 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 stuff, right? This is it, sincerely. It's just assets and and what is the value and what am I getting and and where are we? But well, when the deadline is over, here's where you are. You got no shot. That's it, right? You can't make a deal. If you, you're stuck with the rental, you're stuck with the rental. You ain't going nowhere, right? That guy's playing for you. And if you think you could sign them long-term or you still have a chance to get in the postseason, those things may be viable options for you. But in most cases, what happens is what would happen for any of us if there's actually a hard deadline, right? Not the TV channel that you go on and say, if you dial in the next 30 minutes, you can get this CD and you could hear Up Where We Belong and several other you know, beautiful 70s and 80s. Hit. No, like you know that like every 30 minutes it's the same thing, right? I hope you people know that, right? Like, oh, you're on the HDTV. Wow, that ring is just, for sale if i call in the next 5 minutes. Do you really believe that? Like you think in 5 minutes and 2 seconds it's going to be like years ago in Domino's if you weren't there in 30 minutes it's free? Like come on. You can't be that stupid, right? I hope. So, in this case though there's a deadline. I'm stuck. The leverage shifts all of a sudden and it's 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 tangible in the conversations and talking to executives over the last couple of decades and it makes sense. That's why if if you're new to kind of being with me and hopefully you'll stick with me in the unfiltered revolution that we're on and you're going to learn that this is how i we going to be. When I say dumb it down, I mean for us, me and you. And I don't mean in terms of intelligence. I mean, okay, we don't, we're training players in a fantasy league. Please, let's not compare it. Like, I love the people who call me. Like, I've had calls, like, on the air over the years. Like, you know, somebody's got a pitch count. Well, you know, I'm pitching in, in high school. Or, you know, I'm, I'm coaching in Little League. And, like, when I was this, and, you know, like, okay, that's great. But let's, can we not compare it, right? It's not the same thing. All right? I'm not telling you I have any idea what it's like to go trade someone, but in conversations with people at the deadline, I know thinking of what's happened, right? And a lot of it, to be honest with you, because I don't break news for a living, I, th- I believe, and this is an industry thing, I'm curious what people think, and I know many watch and listen who are in the industry, I believe I probably get, and people like me, maybe more information sometimes with people who break news. We just can't say anything, right? Because that's why they'll tell me. But I take those things and I learn from it, and I learn kind of the psyche of it. So I try and dumb it down to human element. And the human element is this simple, people. If you truly had a deadline, like on Ticketmaster or wherever, if you're trying to get Bruce Springsteen tickets and really like, tickets at 218, 217? I got to figure out, am I pressing that credit card or not? You got 217 to make that decision. That's it. Next time you go in, you're probably in the back of the row. You're getting a dial tone, a busy signal. It's sold out already. Like, that's how it feels for these guys as they get closer to the deadline, and it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, that the buyers then have all the hand? Because, yeah, okay, certainly I need somebody. You know I need someone, but I got at least, it's not 29, but I got seven, eight teams I could call. I got six, seven other players like the guy you have. How many other people you got like me? What are you going to do when the deadline's done and you're stuck with the guy? Yeah, maybe you could sign him long-term, and maybe he's a fan favorite, and you keep him for that reason, even though I think that's stupid a lot of times. I mean, I remember—I don't want to get anybody specific, because Eddie's a great dude, but I remember Jack Sorencik, uh, speaking of the Mariners, many years ago, having a conversation was on the air, trying to explain to me about they weren't going to trade Raul Labanez because he was beloved by the fans, and he was old, and I love Raul. was a terrific guy. He was a great player, and they didn't, didn't want to move him, and this was a guy who had already been moved before. Look what happened, speaking of the Orioles, when the Yankees got him, and he basically ended Jim Johnson's career as a closer, right, in one series. Like— he can't tell like, okay, the fans would be upset. He's a fan favorite. Like, yeah, no. All right? And, and plus, this isn't Hank Aaron. Like, we're not talking about, like, Mario Lemieux playing for the Penguins for his whole life. And it's, like, his last four days there. Even the Bochi situation I brought up before, which, okay, it has, there's certainly some, there's some value there. There three World Series with the team, right? There are, are never good reasons to just hold on to a player because of what, what the fans think. But there is a pressure to do something because. What the fans and the players in the room think, and I think you'll see that change over the next couple of days. You can keep posted on all the things going on at the deadline. All the specifics will break down all the trades as they happen. And if you uh, haven't found this out already, I will be live on Twitter. I'm gonna try some. I don't know if, if anyone has ever really tried this, but I'm that guy, the guy in the. I always joke at the, you know the finale of Top Chef. How many times like you know? I mean, how many shows have you watched like this? I'm gonna try. And they ask them. So you're cooking something you know or gordon ramsey last master chef right and i love food as you can tell really cooking shows but are you really gonna try something you've never cooked or like you watch american idol i'm gonna sing something i don't know like are you sure about you know i learned the lyrics this morning but we're gonna give it a shot and you're already out the door really it's honestly but i'm gonna try something that i don't know has ever been even attempted or necessarily even close to successful but i'm gonna do three hours like a live radio show like I've done for the deadline for I don't know I think I did 17 years of them overall and the last 12 13 seasons of their movie network radio I'm gonna do that for three hours on Twitter at two o'clock Eastern time deadline day on Tuesday and work with guests coming on on the fly breaking down the deals on the fly talking to you and interacting through chat on the fly all of that and it's gonna be crazy and I'll probably you know sweat like Patrick Ewing at the foul line but yeah, we'll have a fun time with it so keep me uh, uh, abreast of what you think on your thoughts at Casey Stern I'll do the same with all the stuff going on. Uh, my YouTube channel, I've got one, obviously, for unfiltered in all of our episodes. And if you're watching that here, I've got another one where there's music and family and shenanigans. And uh, uh, thanks for being a part of this ride. Let's continue to do it. We've got about, what, at this point when I'm taping this, about you know, 50 hours or so, 51 hours until we get to the deadline. I'm excited to see what happens. Hopefully, you are as well. Stay unfiltered, and I'll talk to you soon. And, of course, you've got to believe. That's B-L-E-A-V.